Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Hey, it's Lauren here from the Raw Raw Spirit Team. Building a business can be overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. The Raw Raw Spirit Team offers training and support to create an incredible life and an amazing business. And guess what? You get to do it with other like-minded people. Put me on your team to keep you accountable, to help you reach your goals, and to cheer you on. My mission is to help you succeed. Valued at $2,800 a month, you can sign up now as part of our intro offer for only $50 a month. Get this and more at our website at rawrawconsulting.com. Click on the Spirit Team link and try it today. and welcome to The Afterlight. My guest today is Michelle Price, writer and clairvoyant. Michelle specializes in angel card, intuitive readings, but she can also do mediumship and past life connections. Michelle has a knack for getting to the root of a problem and is experienced in bringing through confirmation from the spirit world when a connection is made. Today on the show, Michelle is going to be joining me to discuss past lives, cord cutting, healing, and meditation. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for being here. Hi. Thank you for having me. Some pretty big subjects we're about to dive into, would you say? <laughs> Absolutely. Especially the past life one. Yeah, that's fantastic. Big. All right. Well, we'll get right into it. Um, but before we do, maybe if you could give a bit of context for listeners who aren't familiar with your, your story, maybe can you tell me a little bit about how your spiritual journey began and maybe how yep. you first got interested in this idea of past lives? Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of things there. One is I've been seeing uh, spirit from a very young age, probably from about three or four. I can remember uh, a lady in my room um, and also having really vivid dreams. So often, you know, I'd have a dream and then it'd come true. So I might see somebody um, like a face or something like that in a dream and then I'd meet that person and have like deja vu, that sense of deja vu. I had a lot of deja vu growing up. So I called myself, I didn't know what it, what it was, but I called myself a dreamer because I dreamt stuff, you know, that came true. But yeah. yes, I'd see someone in my room and it felt very protective. It was like a lady, um, no real features, no facial features or hand, um, you know, fingers or any of that stuff. But she'd kind of stand at the end of my bed and she'd just look at me and I was like, well, it doesn't feel bad. You know, it doesn't feel like a bad thing. I think I'm okay with this. Uh, and that continued for all of my childhood while I was in New South Wales, moved to Queensland and I never saw her again. So sometimes um, I deal with children and the paranormal work that I do and mm -hmm. I just let them know, like if, it's, if it feels okay, uh, often it's a grandparent and things like that. Um, then there's nothing to worry about. So I grew up sort of not really fearing spirit, I guess. And then the turning point for me um, was going to New York, being in a really haunted place, coming across all these different spirits. They all wanted to talk to me. And I just thought, you know what? Like they just have a message. Like each of them has a story. It's like a person you meet in the street and they want to come up and tell you their story. If you're working uh, in retail, you know, people sometimes come up and they're like, you know, want to have a bit of a whinge. Everyone has a story. And so a lot of these spirits, they're frustrated. They just want to tell you, this is what happened to me. This is how I died. And then they're happy to kind of move on and 
do their thing elsewhere. Um, so that's what I found in that hotel um, or that apartment in New York was that these guys all had a significant story. They wanted to share it. And that's when I joined a paranormal group and my um, abilities and everything else sort of really took off from there. Now, you and I did discuss earlier um, in an earlier episode about your mediumship abilities and what clairvoyancy is, and I'll definitely leave a link for that for our listeners in the show notes, because you just kind of, you know, tease them a little bit with those stories. You did mention just a minute ago that everybody has a story. Does that mm-hmm. mean that everybody has a past life? no so it's not it's not the same um so basically you know like some people sort of come into the world and you just go gosh you're an old soul you're a really old soul you just get that feeling there's new spirits arriving as well so yes you know some of us have been around a few times but there's also children that are born and you just go yep they're a brand newie and there's a few of the new ones that are coming through now so uh i think with the situation we found ourselves in um, around like social isolation and things like that. Um, it's been a bit of a, an awakening for a lot of spiritual people. So a lot of people involved in what I'm doing. Um, so some of the children that are coming through, some of them are actually new, um, but you can tell, you know, you meet someone in the street and you just go, yeah, you're really wise. You've been around more than once. Mm. Um, yeah, so definitely quite a distinction, uh, between the two of those. Do you think that people who give you the feeling that they've been around more than once, that they have a certain wisdom or they're maybe more qualified at something than other people and almost don't have the experience, you know, we do hear about child prodigies and these Mm. sort of things. Do you think that's remnants of past lives? Yeah. Reincarnation. Um, absolutely reincarnation. I met a, um, a small boy, he was 12. Um, and it was an investigation, a paranormal investigation that I was doing with his family. And I think I may have spoken about it in the previous podcast where, um, I connected remotely, um, which is what I do before I do an investigation. And I'd seen the family, they're all blonde and blue eyed. And I'd seen this Chinese man. And then when I got to the house to do the investigation, the Chinese man was actually an exchange student who was staying with the family. So that really taught me, you know, don't question spirit. But the little boy um, that they were asking about in the family, um, he'd been seeing a lot of stuff, uh, hearing a lot of stuff. When I got to his room, he actually had like a little bedside table covered in crystals, like covered in crystals, which is so strange. Like I'd never actually been in a child's bedroom where they had this kind of altar set up. And I asked him about them and it was like, they all had names and personalities and he was just obsessed with these beautiful crystals. And I just thought it was strange. He was 12. So I was chatting to him and I was like, you know, um, what's, you know, what do you see? Um, what are these sort of dreams and things? And I was getting him to sort of run me over it all. And then he said, um, well, I also remember all of my lives. And wow. I said, well, what do you mean? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm goosebumps head to toe. I'm yeah. like, this kid's 12. What? <laughs> anyway, he's telling me, and this word for word, he was telling me, um, when I was a husband, I had three children and I dressed in this, that, and the other thing. My wife wore this, that, and the other thing. We lived in this place and we did these things. And he went through all of his past lives with me and he still remembered them. And what was super interesting is that um, he said to me one day when I was driving along, and this was on the Gold Coast, one day I was driving along and I went past a driveway and I knew that was my driveway. 
And I said, mummy, that's my driveway. That's my house. You have to take me up that driveway. And his mum was quite uncomfortable with it and was like, no, we can't go up there. You know, that's not going to happen. So he remembered living in that place, um, in that particular house. What we figured out by all of his past life memories, though, was that he had actually been re reincarnated um, from his mother's brother. So he was his uncle. So her, his mum had lost her brother and he had passed away and he had come back as her son. So he was his uncle reincarnated. Wow. Because he remembered all these houses on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. That gave me goosebumps as well. Mm. So do you think that, you know, for those people who have had past lives before, let's say, not the newbies, do you mm -hmm. think that there are remnants or indicators in our current life, especially for those who have no memory of past lives, that really show up in our day-to-day -day sort of existence? Yeah, absolutely. I think phobias are a big one. So people yeah. who are deathly afraid of being cut by a knife um, or drowning or heights and things like that, where there's no previous experience in this lifetime that would have caused that. So where there's no you know, connection like you, um, you know, climbed the Q1 or something and, and kind of, uh, you know, you can climb around the outside of buildings and things, Story Bridge and things like that. If you climb something and you kind of have a, an experience where you're like, whoa, you know, I nearly sort of fell off this thing, then fair enough. But if you haven't had an experience in this life where you've had that and then you've just got this unexplainable um, fear of, yeah, heights um, or being sort of cut with a knife, drowning um, is another big one. Um, then, yeah, most of that comes from your past life. Um, and you'll find that um, I actually did a reading for a lady who um, lives in Canada and I said to her, the first thing I saw was a wetsuit. I saw her in a wetsuit and she was really surprised at that. And she said, well, I'm actually getting over my fear of drowning. So she knew she had a, right. um, a sense that she had this incredibly um, out of control fear of drowning. So she was getting over that. So she was starting to scuba dive. She was learning to scuba dive and that was her getting over her fear. And I said, well, this fear comes from a past life experience. I saw her in a previous life drowning. Um, and I told her all of that and she went, yep, that totally resonates. That's where it's come from. But she didn't realize, yeah. um, but she just knew that it was this out of control fear. Um, so yeah, that was a past life connection as well. It was the first thing I saw, the, she sat down and I was like, you're in scuba gear and she burst into tears. So when you make that connection, sometimes like you, yeah. you hit that nerve, yeah, that's when the tears start to flow. And so she was crying and she was releasing that past life. Um, and she right. today now has no longer has a fear around, uh, around that sort of thing, around diving or being in water. Yeah. So I did want to talk to you about that. So I know later on, we're going to discuss the, the subject of healing. Um, have you ever heard of the book, Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Elvis? Uh, not until today, no. <laughs> so, okay. So basically that book was a major life-changing book for me. It's the, the whole premise is essentially that this beautiful woman with all these phobias uh, has sought help for a long time and the phobias just weren't getting, you know, sort of rectified. So she ends up going to this hypnotherapist and the hypnotherapist takes her through these various sessions. And during each session, she actually regresses to a past life and she experiences her part of her life in that time, but mainly her death. 
And her death is always significant of a fear or a phobia that she has in her current situation. Wow. So kind of what you mentioned, drowning was a really big one. So, you know, she had a fear of drowning. And then one of her past lives was basically that I believe she lived at the bottom of a hill with her family. And there was a big tsunami type wave that came over and they all drowned. And she died in these lives. And every time she woke up from that, uh, that session, her phobia was gone. So that was something that I did want to ask you, yeah. you sort of answer my question. If you're basically able to help people to process that past life yep. issue and resolve it. And I wasn't sure if you could do that outside of hypnotherapy. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hypno, hypno is great as well. And I've certainly gone through and done some stuff like that through hypnotherapy as well. Sometimes people will choose to take that to the next level with someone like, um, you know, the lady from Canada that I did the reading for though, she was proactive. So she was actually taking the initiative. She was like, I know I've got this fear. I'm going to tackle it head on. So it really depends on your personality. Yeah. Uh, if people are willing to do that work themselves, then great. And that was a lot of the healing for her. Really. The only thing that I did was draw her attention to the fact that this is where it came from. Right. And then she was able to cry that out and sort of process that part of it. Um, so yeah, if you, if you're proactive and you're sort of taking action, um, you know, if it's spiders, exposing yourself to it, heights, whatever it is, um, then that's another way of doing it. And then people use hypno because it's just too overwhelming, um, and too powerful to fear. Um, so it's sort of whatever's, whatever's right for the individual, but, you know, putting attention on it, um, that's a big part of what I do. Um, if, if I see something, I'll let you know. And, that way you can start to deal with it, you know, whether you then go and do hypnotherapy or you go and tackle it head on. Um, it's, it's kind of up to you, but it's just putting the awareness there. It's really important. Right. So would you almost say that I, I know you use the terms light and shade and I really like that. Would you say that sometimes there's a shady side of past lives? And if so, oh. is there also a light side? Yeah. I mean, there's light and shade everywhere, isn't there? I mean, you have to have one, you can't have one without the other. Right. Um, so absolutely. I mean, uh, when I got into the paranormal work that we do really interesting story, you're going to love this. Um, there's three of us who were working together. Um, in this situation, it wasn't the three girls, which we had later. Um, this is earlier when I first joined. So it was myself, Lynn, my mentor and, uh, Chris, another gentleman. Um, so all very, you know, talented, uh, clairvoyant psychic medium, all that sort of stuff. So what we were doing, we were doing, um, I mentioned in a previous um, podcast with you about remote reading. And I mentioned it briefly just before with the family, with the little boy. Yeah. So we can go into homes and we can sort of walk around as we have permission and just see what's going on. So essentially what we were doing, um, the three of us, we had a pretty serious case, a pretty heavy case. And we wanted to connect to the energy around that property and around that family to see what was going on. So the three of us were sitting at a table we're all connecting. We all found ourselves in a past life together and it was totally unexpected. We were connecting to this house. We thought all of a sudden we find ourselves, I saw a little girl curled up in the corner of like a cell. And this is like a long, long time ago, centuries and centuries ago, a little girl curled up in sort of a, the corner of a cell. And I realized that was me. And there was a guard. And what was happening was, you know, Chris Lynn and I are all talking to each other. And Chris is like, I'm the guard. I'm the guard. And I was a little girl. And Lynn was 
uh, another character. So all three of us were in this past life together. And we were just like, this is the most amazing experience. And this little girl had been arrested and tortured and accused of something rather like witchcraft or stealing or something like that. And um, yeah, so we all found ourselves in this past life together. And it was just the most amazing healing experience because that was obviously something very painful for me. And then he was like, gosh, I was, you know, torturing you. I was involved in keeping you in this prison. Um, and I just can't recall the role that Lynn played, but when we came out of that, we all just kind of looked at each other and just were like, that was amazing. You know, having that connection. Um, and we were all in the same vision. All of us were in the same thing, seeing the same thing and experiencing that at the same time. It's just stuff like that. Um, a lot of people just never get to experience, but that was, that was life changing for me. That's incredible. Yeah. And you would have had a lot of healing, I'm sure everyone and all those levels. Absolutely. Yeah. But it was, it was so dark, but that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. we, we managed to come out of that and really heal from that. And yeah. you know, the fact that I met him in this life, it just blows my mind, really blows my mind. Well, I have heard before that we do tend to reincarnate with the same souls. Mm-hmm. So, and we just play roles and we work off each other and learn from each other. And, you know, I have heard examples of, um, you know, if someone was care, cared for somebody else in another life, that the, the role could be flipped in this life and things of Absolutely. that nature. I thought that was really yeah. interesting. It likes to, the universe likes to even things out. Absolutely. Yeah. So I believe if you've been a perpetrator in a life, then you may come back as a victim, for example. So it likes to sort of even, even the playing field. Um, yeah, it is that light and shade. And I think it's not something we don't need to be afraid of that though. I just want to point that out is that it wasn't scary. And you mentioned hypnotherapy, um, hypnotherapy. It's not a scary situation. Like when we were in there, we were so protected and so uh, loved, you know, seeing the vision, it was, it was sad. I was like, that's a really sad situation. And I definitely felt connected to that little person, but it's not as painful as when you're going through it. So I just want to encourage people to deal with this stuff, you know, go and get hemotherapy mm-hmm. if that's what you feel like you need to do or try and tackle it head on, um, however you want to deal with it. But just, you know, get it done, get the work done in this life because we don't want to bring it into the next life because you're going to have to deal with it again. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you mentioned that because there would definitely be fear-based with, you know, having to go through that and almost maybe having to face it and live through it again do you have to live through it again or can you look at it objectively well if you haven't if it's a major lesson because when we come down we have our little book and we have our these are the things we're going to achieve and these are the things we're going to do and if this is a a karmic lesson um, that's come in from a previous life that we hadn't dealt with in the previous life if we don't deal with it and resolve it um and you can feel it you know when you've really dealt with something in your life you can feel it you feel it sort of go yeah if you don't do it, um, let's say it's an issue with a parent or something like that. If you just cut off all contact and say, I'm not even going to go there. Unfortunately, it's going to come back in the next life because you just haven't, you haven't dealt with it. Mm. And people can tell, you can tell if you have or haven't. Um, I'll often meet people who have had a similar uh, issue in their life to deal with. So not so well, sometimes through my readings, but also just in my social circles, often I'll find I meet people. So I might've dealt with something and you may find this in your life too. I may have dealt with something and, and processed it and really gone. Yes, I have absolutely done that work. And then I might have someone come into my life and they're like, this is my story. And I'm like, wow, like I've kind of done that and I've been in your shoes and I hear you and I feel you. 
and this is what I did to get through. Mm. Whether they do that or not, that's kind of up to them. But yeah. I do feel like we have people come in that we can actually help as well once we've been through that process. Yeah, I did hear a really interesting thing once on a podcast and the guy was talking about how if you're trying to find your purpose in life, look at a time where you overcame adversity and teach somebody else to do this, to do that. 100%. And I thought that yeah. was really, that gave me goosebumps, but I, I thought that was a really, uh, you know, kind of a smart way to contribute and in a way that yep. might make somebody feel empowered. So Absolutely. out of curiosity, how many past lives can people have? Yeah, there's no limit. I mean, he could, he rattled off about seven while I was with him, um, but you can absolutely have more than that. I mean, I don't believe there's a limit. I mean, it really depends on your development as a soul. Yeah. So if you feel like you're continuing to learn and you want to continue to evolve and you would have heard stories, I'm sure where um, angels have chosen to come down and sort of play a role. So giving up their um, immortality to come down and sort of play a role on earth. Um, there's cases of, of that absolutely where they're like, wow. no, I actually feel like I can be a part of the human race and really make a difference. Um, so in terms of past lives, it's really up to the soul. Like if they've gone up there and they're like, look, I feel like I've kind of learned everything I can learn. I'm ready to do some stuff up here. Then, you know, that's their choice. We all have, we all have free choice, but mm. you know, in my experience, you can have hundreds of, um, of thousands um, of past lives. And the wonderful thing is as children, and I've heard not just that story I mentioned to you of the little boy, there's so many stories, um, creepy quite creepy stories of children <laughs> where they're like they're talking about things that adults would only know about um there's a wonderful example um a few years ago where this little boy and you might know the one i'm talking about it was quite famous um they did a story on him on the tv uh his parent he started telling his parents about his wartime experience and how he was this person in the war he remembered his name he remembered his, his best friend's name and he was talking about how he'd fly planes and how he died. And his parents took him to a war museum and he jumped, he walked around and he was looking at all the planes, looking for his plane. And he oh. found the plane that he recognized and he, um, the people let him up in the cockpit. So it was pretty amazing because it's a museum. He got up in there and he was like pointing out all the controls. He's like, this is how I turned it on. This is how I fly. This is how I land. This is where the landing gear is. This, 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 the whole lot. And his parents, like all oh, my hair's just standing up. His wow. parents were like, wow like how could you possibly the kid was three he started talking wow. about this from the age of like from when he could speak um when he jumped in this cockpit of this plane he was about three three and a half so you know barely like even functioning as a human being and um yeah he had all these memories so um what they did was the obviously he had passed away because he was reincarnated but his best friend was still alive so the parents um met up with the best friend of this former person that had passed away met up with the best friend, the best friend met the kid and went, oh my God, that's my best friend. Because the kid knew everything. They were having a conversation, like he was still, like he'd never passed away. So sometimes when you are reincarnated, you still have a lot of those memories. A lot of those memories stick with you. Yeah. Um, and that was the situation. They were just chatting like two old blokes. I mean, the guy was in his eighties or something like that. And um, they was chatting like two old friends. That's and, incredible. Um, yeah, it's mind-blowing, mind-blowing. That's why that. I say that because when kids are little and they have those memories, nurture that because you can learn a lot. I mean, he has an 80, well, whenever he died, I'm not sure how old he was, probably in his 30s or 40s or something, but he had that much experience. So how wonderful is it that he could recall that and now he's got another chance. He's got another life to yeah. live. Yeah, it's mm. wonderful. 
Do you think that we're all made up of, you know, maybe the whole, I guess, that we're all one. And so our past lives are fragments of one soul we all share. What do you think about that? Gosh, that's a big question. It's a big question. Um, I do. Well, look, we all come from source. We all come from love. So absolutely. That's why racism and all those prejudices and biases and all those things is ridiculous because we all come from the same source. Um, We just may look a little different. So absolutely. We all come from source, which is love. Um, So I I completely agree in that respect. Um, Where I probably branch off a little bit is that we all have our individual souls in here, but what happens and what we do uh, with a lot of people um, in our work in terms of past life connections is we leave a little bit of our soul in each of those past lives. So what you can do with regression and things like that as well, or with the work that I do, um, past life connections is you can go back and you can grab that little piece of yourself and put it back in here. So what, what can happen sometimes is people can be terribly scattered and just really not know where they're going, not have any really solid idea in this lifetime, just feeling scattered, you know? And then you do a bit of regression with them, take them back and um, guide them to find those bits and pieces of themselves and they can collect them. And part of that collection process is actually allowing healing to happen too. So healing is a part of that. So if they go into that life, they're actually experiencing that life. And once they've done that, they then get that little piece of themselves back. And so I've actually been through that process and it's really, really powerful. So depending on how many past lives you've had, and I've seen quite a few for myself alone, Mm -hmm. um, each time I go back and I collect another little piece of myself, my soul, um, I feel a little bit more complete. Mm -hmm. And it feels like that issue or that past life has kind of been resolved and there's a bit of peace there. So I highly recommend soul collection. Um, And I know that's kind of sounding like a big concept for a lot of people, but that's the best way I can explain it. So we have this soul here, but yes, that soul is sort of connected to that larger source, which is love. Um, And then it's up to us because, you know, we leave a bit of our soul, even in this life. Like if I have a big shock, like a sudden car accident and let's say, you know, someone passes away or something like that, that's a big shock there's going to be a little bit of me left there. So, you know, sometimes people feel like they're stuck. So you have like a big shock, you lose your husband or your wife or something like that, a child. It's a huge shock. And what happens is you leave a little bit of yourself in that experience. So people who just really are struggling to move forward and they just keep going back to that place, there's a bit of their soul there still. It's pulling them back. So what the point of that is, is the universe is trying to get you to collect that, to deal with that, process that emotion. And then you get that little bit of yourself back and you're not stuck there anymore. Wow. And would you recommend that somebody, if they don't have a lot of experience with that, that they seek an expert's help to do that kind of thing? Absolutely. Because for someone yes. listening right now, they might go, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Regression is really great. I've done regression. Um, so past lives and things like that. Um, and hypnotherapy, it's all sort of inter, intertwined, um, but people yeah. have different skills and qualifications. It's what feels right for you. Uh, I found past life regression was really powerful for that healing, that getting back into the experience, um, seeing what was happening there and being able to sort of heal it and bring that piece of yourself back. Absolutely. See, see a professional. I love that. And obviously you've said that you've um, 
done a reading for someone in Canada, meaning you can do readings for anyone all over the world. And we will give Michelle's contacts in the show notes as well. So Michelle, how do you find out if you're carrying issues from a past life or if you're carrying issues from your present life? And I want to start talking now about cords and mm -hmm. cutting cords and what a cord even is. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good question. It's, um, it's going to take a little bit of explaining, but at a basic level, everything's energy. So if you plug in your device, let's say you plug in your phone every night to charge it. So that's an exchange. There's energy flowing between those two points from mm -hmm. the power point into your phone. It's charging it and you can use your phone all day because your battery is fully charged. So when someone plugs a cord into you, if I form a relationship, so if I'm in a relationship with somebody, there's a cord. Um, without getting into too much biology, women tend to get pretty strong cords attached to them from gentlemen because we are receiving. Mm -hmm. So we often have very strong cords into our base chakra and it's really important to move, remove those. And what you can find is when you can't stop thinking about your ex, then generally there is a cord there. And I would say in most cases, unless you have set an intention to remove it, every relationship you've had, every past life, every past relationship, there's a cord attached. So you can have multiple cords all connected to your base chakra. Um, a lot of people I find have them connected to their solar plexus. A solar plexus just under your rib cage um, in that sort of little open squishy bit there. Uh, a lot of people have cords connected here. The reason being is because that's your power center. Mm. So if people want to take your power, they plug in here. Really good story. With my paranormal investigations, we do um, public tours. So at a really old um, historical village in Beanley, which is sort of Gold Coast, uh, Logan area. Really awesome little historical village. We take people around there. All the women in our group, for some reason got corded here on their solar plexus, power center. None of the men experienced it. And it was just a really interesting thing wow. I noticed. And it was a male spirit that was doing, he was quite malevolent. He was quite um, violent in his lifetime. He was a human at one point, um, but he was very violent. He was dark. He was a bit of an alcoholic. And he just plugged into all these women in their solar plexus um, to the point where they're all feeling nauseous and kind of doubled over. And I eventually started warning people, you know, when we started the tour, you know, ladies, we're just going to put up a bit of protection. This is how we're going to do it yeah. because it just kept happening and people were getting violently ill. Like people were running to the bathroom and, and vomiting. So it's a real thing. Wow. These spirits need our energy. So this is on a, I'm talking on a spiritual level. Yeah, absolutely. Human to human, you know, past relationships is, is also an issue. But from spirits, I mean, that's how they charge up. So this spirit was charging up on all of our energy, plugging into our solar plexus. So it, it feels, you know, it's a physical feeling. I mean, these women didn't quite know what was happening. I was sort of looking around going, well, I can see what's happening and was telling them. But all they felt was like they were going to be sick. And right. they felt like they were really tired and really drained and not quite themselves. Some of them were feeling angry because you're picking up on the energy of that spirit. They've connected to you. So... Going back to human to human, um, we need to make sure that all those relationships we're forming, that we're cutting cords. And I'm talking about even just, you know, someone shouts at you, you're driving along in your car and someone screams out the window at you. For the rest of the day, you're reliving that. They've attached a cord to you. So in that sort of situation, you're driving along, someone screams at you. I let them scream. I think, 
he's had a bad day. It's nothing to do with me. As soon as that person leaves, I'm cutting. And it's as simple as, I know people can't see what I'm doing, but it's simple as chop, chop, chop. And I'm literally just like karate Karate chopping in front of my body. Yeah. Three times. We do it three times. And I say, you know, cut, cut, cut or chop, chop, chop. And I set the intention then that that person's energy is no longer attached to me. And I do it immediately. So anytime I have an encounter like that, um, if someone gets too close to me at the gym and I think, oh, this person feels like a bit of an energy thief. Mm. And again, the feeling is I just feel like, you know, we all have this auric body around us. We all have this kind of energy field. Some people will try and get into that. And I'm sure a lot of women, especially when they're sort of walking home at night, you know, had that experience, but they felt like someone's walking a bit too close behind right. them. Creeped out. We all have that comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. So um, some people will try and cord you in places like the gym or places like that where they can sort of get close enough to you that they're taking your energy. And it's on a subconscious level. Some of them, many of them aren't doing it intentionally. But in terms of the feeling, it's that feeling like, oh, yeah, something's going on here. I just feel like they're kind of in my, in my space. Yeah. And that's when I can get in and start to take energy from you. Um, but yeah, past relationships absolutely need to be cut. And the problem is with relationships, it's not like the guy in the car that's shouting at you where you can just go chop, 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 that's done. Um, relationships form stronger, uh, stronger cords and they're the ones that really have to be worked on. And that's something that I do in my profession with healing. I remove mm-hmm. a lot of cords, um, but you can also ask Archangel Michael to help you with that because he's got the big sword. Right. So would you recommend that if someone wanted to do that, they could, if they're familiar with meditation... They could, we're going to talk about meditation a little bit later too, mm-hmm. but meditation would be a great place to invite him down to cut any cords. Absolutely. Um, and it's something that you do together. Sometimes I've checked on people and I've gone, yeah, you know, there's a big cord there and there's a lot of work to be done. It's not up to me to do it. Uh, occasionally when I'm doing a healing, I'll connect to the person's higher self and just ask the question, is this something that I can do? Or is this something that that individual needs to do? And often if there's a lesson to be learned, um, it's up to them to do it. So, and they can do that in, in work with um, Archangel Michael and just set the intention. So that means that they need to emotionally deal with all that stuff. If I remove it, they're not learning anything from that experience. Right. So they need to process that and then move Absolutely. on. Yeah. yeah. Right. Interesting. So the karate chop though, if you get that creepy feeling from someone, <laughs> karate yeah. chop, and is it in the the root chakra and in the solar plexus or primarily if you get that creepy feeling that's in the solar plexus. So Um, it's, it's all over the body. It really just, it doesn't, it's not a set area that they tap into. I found people with, um, it can have cords anyway, but I've had people um, in their third eye. So if someone has a gift of insight, so someone who does my business, what I do, um, connecting and, and with spirit and things like that. Sometimes people want to tap into that because they're like, Oh, I'd love to have that ability. So Mm -hmm. I've had cords in my third eye. Um, but yeah, I guess this one's common. The solar plexus is common because it is your power center. Mm-hmm. And if someone could get into that, there's a hell of a lot of energy in there that they can tap into, which is why that malevolent spirit was tapping into that area because they can really supercharge. They can really supercharge with that energy. Right. It's fascinating, isn't it? So mm. people are having health issues or suffering from anxiety or depression or anything like that. Could removing or cutting these cords help them? Absolutely. Yeah. Because what, what I was saying before, yeah, with that spirit that I was talking about, all the women, once he connected, all the women could feel everything he was feeling. And that's why they were throwing up and having like dark thoughts. I mean, 
I've certainly had that where I ended up with an attachment, um, which isn't exactly the same as a cord, but it kind of is. It's like where a spirit's kind of attached to your, it's not a possession, but it's an attachment where they're sort of attached to your auric field, if, if you know what I mean. So I had a situation where um, I had been on an investigation and I'd come home and I often didn't notice things were different. Jason, my husband, notices things that are a bit different and he often points it out to me. So he's a little bit of a... Um, an alarm system for me. If he sort of says, Michelle, something's going on, then I pay attention. Because yeah. uh, when it's yourself, it's hard. Yeah. But anyway, I was um, in the kitchen and my dog was just barking incessantly. And my dog at the time, it was our previous dog, wasn't a barker. So I'm in the kitchen and I'm like, why is my dog barking? Why is it barking? It was just barking and barking and barking. I turn around, my dog's asleep. It's not barking. Oh. So then I was like having dark thoughts and I was like, you know, um, kind of doubting my relationship and like just all these thoughts are going in my head. And I'm like, I don't feel like that. Why am I having these thoughts? And Jason, you know, had noticed a difference and sort of said to me, you know, I think there's something going on. You should check it out. I went to my uh, healer at the time and she goes, Michelle, you got an attachment. You got an attachment. So everything I was feeling and experiencing was what they your... try and do is they, yeah, and, and with the dog, like they want to make you angry. So they wanted to make me angry at my dog and start shouting and, and having that sort of reaction. But I was like, no, this isn't me. Like I kind of felt like there was something mm. not quite right. Went to the healer. She removed it. Totally fine. And what it actually was, was it was actually, it was kind of a presence or an attachment. What it um, manifested as was like, a, it looked like an octopus tentacle. And it was, it was down in my solar plexus. So it actually had connected into my And she pulled it out. Um, and it was sort of, you know, changing position, all this stuff. It was really hard to grab. But essentially that is sort of, I guess, a core. But again, it's from the spirit world. But the, way I'm, the reason I'm saying that is because when you have that connection, so it could even have been to an ex and it could have been a violent relationship. So you're sitting here and you're still in fear. But for some reason, when you still have that core to that person, you feel like making contact with them because that cord is still connecting you. It's almost like a phone cord. If you think of a phone call back in the day when we had our telephones on a line, if you cut that, so let's say I have permission, I ask the higher self and I remove that cord. I always warn them, be prepared. They're probably going to get in touch with you. And they always do. They always ring me a couple of days later and go, they got in touch with me because when you cut that cord, it is like a phone line. It's like, I've just hung up on them. The other person feels that they're like, whoa, hang on, hang on. What's going on with that person, um, the ex of mine? And they'll always make contact. And by making contact with you, they then form the cord again. So it feels uncomfortable to them when you've removed a cord. It's, an, it's a subconscious thing, but at some level, they're like, what's going on with Lauren? Why can't I feel her? Or, you know, it's yeah. a feeling. Why can't I feel her? The cord's been removed. They ring up or they send an SMS and they reform that cord but you have to allow it. If you don't allow it, if you don't make, allow them to make contact with you, then the core doesn't reconnect. So it's always a choice. Um, but so it when is you a say real that for a listener thing. at home, you know, they're going, I don't want to allow that. Is that an intention to not allow that basically? Absolutely. That- and then you yeah. block them. You have to block their number. You have to make whatever adjustments you have to make for them not to make contact with you. But as long as that cord's there, and they will reestablish it if you remove it and they reestablish it and you allow that, then you're back to square one again. Mm. But it is an intention. You have to block. So you block spiritually by cutting the cord and then you block physically by cutting off all physical contact that they could possibly make with you. 
Interesting. So obviously you've talked about, you know, how cutting cords can really help people with their healing journey. What mm -hmm. other types of healings are you familiar with or that you've done or been witness to? Mm -hmm. um, there's so many, so many different kinds. Um, I do pranic energy healing and I'm also a Reiki healer. So Reiki is this beautiful, soft, we use symbols, um, which are really powerful and ancient. It's Japanese, literally means universal energy. Um, and that was the first thing I learned. But in actual fact, uh, before I actually learned Reiki and got my degree, I was already doing it. So from when I was really small, I'd walk up and I'd touch older people, um, my grandparents, if they were sick. I just always wanted to put my hands on people and I didn't quite understand why or what I was doing. Um, I had friends who had injuries and things like that and I touched them and I'd see them and I'd feel them and my hands would go to the place where the injury was and I'd be able to tell them, you know, this is what you've done. You fractured this bone. It looks like this. Um, I had friends that one of my friends had uh, terrible migraines and I said to her, I touched her and I said, you've got this kind of nerve and it's like in the wrong place. Like it's shifted. You need to go and see like her physio and have it manipulated back in place. She didn't believe me. So she went on like migraine tablets. She did everything the opposite to what I suggested. And she had this headache, no joke. She had this headache for weeks. Like I'm talking like five or six weeks and the tablets were actually making her physically ill to the point where she was missing. She was in um, radio, so in uh, broadcast and she was missing engagements. She was missing different activities and things she was supposed to be doing. At the end of that, she finally went and saw the physio. The physio said, you've got this kind of, um, you know, tendon that oh. runs down here and it's shifted over onto your shoulder blade. And it was kind of twanging because I said, I can get this. It's like vibrating or something. Anyway, he puts it back in, headache's gone. She comes into work and apologized and said, yeah, I, I didn't believe you, but you were right. So six weeks it took her and now she doesn't question. So um, absolutely, like the healing is so powerful. And when you start, because I started from such a young age and I didn't actually know what it was. And then one day someone said Reiki to me and I was like, I don't even know what that is, mm -hmm. but it sounds wonderful. And I ended up learning it. But a lot of people just have these natural abilities. A lot of us have it. And um, I've had friends come to me and say, oh, look, I've got this kind of tingling sensation in my hands and I don't know what that is. That's the energy trying to escape. Um, I often have it in my left foot where I feel um, like pins and needly and also restless where I can't stop moving my leg in your left leg coming out of your foot, that's spirit. So if I'm not doing my spiritual work, if I'm not doing my readings and my healings, I start to get restless in my left leg. And that's a reminder from spirit that I need to do this because the energy has to flow. But often right. it will be like pins and needles in your hands. Um, so yeah, I went from Reiki into pranic energy healing um, and pranic is adding color into that. And it's more medical. So we learn all the different organs in the body, all that sort of stuff. So people come in with endometriosis, cysts, uh, blindness, um, deafness, all these sorts of things. And we can actually assist with those sorts of things. So it's a lot more medical. I did want to ask you about how spiritual healing, because that's what I was understanding from what you were saying before you got into the pranic, really does fit in with modern day medicine. So it sounds sort of Absolutely. as though the pranic healing is, is a combination of the two worlds. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like pranic is kind of, um, it's like Reiki, but it's kind of next level. So it's coming up a little bit, yeah, higher. And, um, and what was the good thing with pranic is that you sort of, you're removing 
with Reiki, it was sort of, you put your hands on and you have the intention and all those sorts of things. And it's really, really good. With pranic, we're sort of removing the stuff that doesn't need to be there, whatever we're allowed to remove. And we're putting back in. So we're actually putting divine energy back in. So people don't feel empty. One of my experiences I had when I had what we call a Reiki bake, where you have, you know, more than one person all generating energy into your body, I had this incredible experience. And this was when I was sort of fluctuating between being quite heavy and lighter. So I'd sort of go up and down with mm-hmm. my weight. And they did all this energy around my center because I had some blocks, um, kind of solar plexus um, and root chakra. So they were sort of working around those blocks. Anyway, they took all this stuff away. And I felt like so much lighter. I walked out of there and I'm like, oh, wow. I felt really, you know, light and airy and fairy and sort of drove home. And I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. I feel so great. And, and then eventually I was like, I've got this huge hole. Like I actually felt like all this stuff had been taken out, but I felt like I had this big hole in my belly mm-hmm. and I ate for like, I don't know, two weeks, um, you know, just over eight and just was trying to fill that space. Right. And I ended up just feeling really heavy and yucky and I just, yeah, been eating way, way too much. And I was trying to fill the gap. And it was kind of, that was a turning point for me where I was like, there's got to be something else where we can put back in. Right. And I wasn't getting that. So that's why I started doing pranic because we fill the space so people don't walk out feeling empty. Oh, that's wonderful. I've never actually really heard about, because uh, I've done my Reiki level one, but I'd yep. never really thought about creating gaps as much as, yeah. Yeah, because you're removing, you're removing stuff. And look, it's probably more extreme with the Reiki bake. One-on-one, I hadn't experienced that, but yeah. certainly with a few people where they're really doing that work and focusing on the same yeah. area. Yeah, I just felt like I had this huge kind of gap. And what do we do as humans? We try to fill the space. We fill yeah. the space. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So for me, when I've done my healing journey, I've done a lot of that. Uh, I've worked with a lot of healers, but I've done a lot of work as well through meditation. So, you know, for those who aren't familiar with meditation, is it basically in your interpretation, just sitting quietly and trying not to think? Because that's kind of yeah. what I understand people think it is. It's, it's funny because I never saw myself as a meditator. Now I meditate every day. But in the beginning, I was like, oh, you know, the mind and how do I quiet it and all this stuff. Yeah. And one day I was in yoga and the women, it was a really great studio, the women set up all these candles in the middle of the room. And I was like, oh, so what is this? And what we did was we actually all stared at candles and you get an imprint, you know, when you have a flash, a camera flash and it's stuck, you know, and you can see this flash everywhere you look. The candles have the same effect. So you stare at the candles and what we did was we sort of shut our eyes and then you can see the light and then you focus on the light with your eyes shut. And that's how I started meditating. So it took a few goes where you sort of open your eyes, you get the light back, you shut your eyes, you focus on the light and then you just keep repeating that process. And I went home and I did that. And that was the first time I actually really meditated and I traveled and I was like, this is amazing. So it's not about controlling the mind. A lot of people think it's about getting control of your thoughts. Mm. You can't control anything. It's about completely the opposite. It's literally just letting yourself go and just accepting and just doing it and then all of a sudden yeah all of a sudden you're traveling so what's really cool about this too is even with guided meditations and things like that you don't need to sit there and listen to the words i love guided meditations because it's going into your subconscious mind so i listen to a lot of esther hicks i listen to esther hicks every day um which is abraham she channels abraham 
and she has some awesome meditations. I highly recommend getting into the vortex if people haven't listened to those ones. There's a series of six and a series of eight, and they do finances. They do all different uh, aspects of your life, manifesting. She focuses on each major aspect of your life in these meditations, and they're about 15 minutes long, totally doable. I played one the other night. Um, Hubby and I were brainstorming, and he came upstairs, and we kind of did this meditation together, and I'm all like, you know, focusing and breathing and all this stuff. And he starts snoring and I'm like, it's falling asleep. <laughs> okay. And so it was quite funny. And I was sort of giggling to myself and, you know, he fell asleep. And, but the reason I'm saying that is because it's going into your subconscious. So when he wake up, woke up, he was just like, oh, I had this idea and that idea. And he starts writing all these things down on this notepad. Like he had the biggest download you've ever seen in your life. Right. So what I want to say to people is just relax and be yeah. kind to yourself. And if you fall asleep, who cares? Plenty of people fall asleep in Shavasana at the end of the yoga class. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Sometimes that's what you need. Sometimes you need to sleep through it to heal. So while you're in that, your spirit family's all around you doing all the healing that needs to happen. Also yeah. dropping in messages and then you wake up and it's like you write it all down. So there's no kind of right or wrong. If you fall asleep, it doesn't matter. It's just all meant to be. I have plenty of people just getting back to healing. I have loads of people get taken out. I call it taken out. I wouldn't say fallen asleep, but I would say taken out. And what happens is often when people's minds are very active, because being in a healing is kind of like being in a meditation. Like you're trying to sort of relax and you're trying to let this person kind of help you and remove whatever they're going to remove. It's kind of a meditation and some people just can't quiet their minds enough. So sometimes I'll just say to the spirit, their spirit people, take them out and then they're gone. And I can see it. You can see them sort of, it's like an instant, not sort of drifting off, but an instant they're not here anymore. And I just do my work. And then when the time's right, they come back to their body. And they just, they're just off traveling. And they'll tell me the most amazing stories of like all the things they saw. So really it is a meditation. They'll have visions. They'll have see people, see their guides, messages, the whole thing. And they come back in and they've just had the most profound experience. So most of my healings that happens where people I say are taken out and, mm. um, and then they come back and the work's done because it's really hard to do the work when they're sort of there consciously, Oh, what's happening over here? Did she just touch my arm or my toe? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you're too present. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, one thing I love that you mentioned guided meditations, because for me, I love guided meditations. I love, you know, going into temples and swimming and seeing angels and things like that. I listened to a guided meditation the other day, and this is the first time actually that I recall hearing this, but the, the man brought in these powerful dragons and they had fire and they burned up all the stuff that I didn't need. And I thought that was so cool. And I guess what I'm trying to say is for our listeners at home, you know, there are so many different types of meditations. I'll put a link to uh, Esther Hicks's meditations in the show notes, but there really is something for everyone. Would you agree with that? Yeah. What a really good tool as well. I'll mention um, it's something that I only sort of just came across because um, one of my friends is recording meditations on there is insight timer. So it's an app okay, um, yeah. if you haven't heard of it. And I'm actually in the process, I'm just getting some equipment together. I'm actually in the process of uploading some meditations to that because I channel 
meditations. Um, and so I'm going to actually put them up, up there so that I can re reach a wider audience because I feel like, you know, we can all contribute something. And if we have the ability to channel uh, in any way, shape or form, then people should have a chance to hear that. Um, and what I think is really cool because I love listening to other people's meditations. Esther Hicks is, is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, when I channel, it's a really interesting process, a little bit like when I'm doing a reading for someone, a lot of the information that I talk to them about isn't meant for me, it's meant for them. And then I forget it. So it's kind of like I've said it and then it's gone. And when I yeah. channel meditations, it's really fun because one of the first ones I did, cause I've run women's gatherings. One of the first ones I did, I channeled it and I hadn't read it again. So I'd written it all down and then I'd gone away, done other stuff. And then I did this women's gathering and they're all lying there and I'm like, blah, and I start reading this meditation. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And I'm like reading it and I'm like turning the page. I'm like, what's going to happen next? And I was like so excited and everyone woke up and they're like, oh, that was so good. And oh, wow, I had this experience and that experience. And I think a lot of it was like my own enthusiasm for this, this reading. I'm like, where did this even come from? Like, where did I think of that? So I had no, I had no memory of it. Like I had no idea where it was going. Like it was this awesome journey. And then I'm like, I really want to do this meditation. And that's why I want to put them online because I'm like, you know, this is, I'm channeling this. It's not coming from me. I'm not this superstar meditation person. Like, yeah. you know, it's just, yeah. it's coming from another source. And that's what oh, a lot cool. of the people that are putting together guided meditations, they're all channeling. A lot of them are channeling. Um, so yeah, it's really fun when you get a meditation, you've channeled and sort of read it back and think, God, this is actually really cool. <laughs> that's so cool. I love that. Yeah. I can't wait to hear them. So if yeah. someone listening is interested in starting meditation for the first time, would you recommend that they start with the candle practice? Or would you recommend they head to insight timer and choose something like that? I think for me, I was always under the impression that I needed to set aside a lot of time to meditate, but mm. you've just proven that there's a 15 minute, minute meditation. There's an amazing meditation that Marianne Williamson does called light filled body. It's on YouTube. It's only eight minutes. So how should That's they so get good. started? Yeah. I'll put yeah. it in the show notes. I think you nailed it in what you said. I have a lot of people that I say, to them, you know, have you tried meditation? And they're like, oh yeah, uh, it takes too much time. I don't have time. I hear that a lot. And yeah. you nailed it in that you found this eight minute meditation. The ones that I do are 15 minutes. I mean, honestly, 15 minutes out of your whole day. Like if you've just woken up and you've got to get ready for work, I mean, you could start eight minutes or 15 minutes at the start of your day. And then that sets your tone. So I like to wake up and I'm like, I'm going to think of one word and that's going to be my word for the day. And it could be joy. It could be happiness. It could be sunshine. So I like to set my tone. So if you have this fabulous meditation you find, which is eight or 15 minutes long, um, there's plenty that are even seven minutes on YouTube. If you have yeah. a little look around and then that sets your intention. I mean, seven minutes, like that's not a lot yeah. of time. No. Um, and then if you feel like it, when you come home or before you go to sleep, you could just turn the TV off a little bit earlier and go to bed. And I like to do that before I go to sleep as well. And yeah. then it can sometimes affect your dreams. You know, you can have great dreams and download more info about what you're going to be doing and maybe about career, that sort of thing. Um, so I find it opens me up to getting the answers. So the answers that people come to me looking for in readings, I find that a lot of people just have the ability in themselves to find those answers if they start to meditate and give themselves space. Right. Because until you have that space, it's really difficult to get information. And that's what meditation is for me. Meditation for me is connecting to my spirit family and saying, what do I need to know? 
give me the next step. Give me the tools. What do I need to experience? What do I need to deal with? What do I need to process? At the moment, it's a great time to do that for everyone. It's always a great time. Every moment is a great time. But yeah. make that time because that time is a gift to you. If you, yeah. if you can set aside 10, 15 minutes and you think about how long do I spend on my devices every day? How long do I spend on Facebook? Probably longer than seven minutes yeah. every day. <laughs> yeah. We spend a lot of time on our devices. So make yeah. the choice, shut it off. Um, in terms of who should do what kind of meditation, it's really just experimentation. For me, I found the candle worked really well. And when I'm face-to-face, -face, I can get a sense of someone and what would work for them. So sometimes I will suggest the candle technique. For other people, I'll suggest guided meditations because I like to hear what they're mm -hmm. doing. Uh, other people just want the silence. So it really depends on the individual and it's going to come down to experimentation. But I use the candle te technique for people whose minds won't shut off. Mm -hmm. So for people who have a bit of trouble with that, um, I find the candle technique works really well for them because it allows them to focus on something. Um, and that's really important. So that works for me because I do have a really busy mind mm -hmm. um, and quite a hectic life. But the benefits outweigh, well, the pros outweigh the cons for me in terms of meditation because I'm getting something out of it. So if people experience it and they get something out of it and they think, wow, I feel like that's added to my life, well, that's your payoff and you'll keep doing it. Yeah. So you did talk about creating space for myself. I'm not in the habit right now of meditating on a regular basis. I've mm -hmm. started jogging. So I do affirmations while I'm jogging. So you could say at parts of my jog, I'm in a bit of a meditation, but it's definitely something that I, I miss and I need to um, really cultivate more time to do that. And I will do another yep. meditation tonight. Uh, okay. I do notice myself that it really helps me to create space and quiet my thoughts, kind of what you yeah. just alluded to. What are yeah. some of the other benefits of meditation? You did talk about getting answers from spirit a bit easier, but I guess yeah. that all comes down to your thoughts being quieted in a way. Yeah, I want to touch on just the jogging part of that. Um, what's really important and a lot of people are very yang, I find in, in their activities, jogging, um, things like that are very yang. So very masculine. So, um, I guess the opposite to that might be yoga, uh, yeah, or meditation. So do. great. So what's really important about that and the, um, the jogging's great. Like it's fantastic for doing your affirmations and doing all that stuff. But I just want to say to people, it's important to have that balance. So if you are going to do your jog, it's really important to, counteract that with your yoga or your relaxation, meditation, all that sort of stuff. You're nurturing, um, the nurturing part of it in a way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The reason that I decided to look into meditation myself is because my father went through um, a nervous breakdown when he was in his thirties. So he was working um, full time at a bank. He was teaching at uni at night. My mom wasn't working. So he was supporting his family um, and it was really, really hard. And so I watched my dad sort of go through like a nervous breakdown and that's really difficult seeing a parent do that. But what got him through was meditation. And, um, he took some medication for a little bit. He saw an expert, took a bit of medication for a little while. Um, but not long-term and, you know, I guess the chemicals start sort of doing what they should be doing, but he would come home and we knew that when dad came home, that he would go into his room, shut the door and he would meditate. So rather than, you know, coming in, I'm full on, you know, mum's full on, like, oh, you know, this happened today, rah, rah. He put his briefcase down. He would walk straight to his bedroom, shut the door. And we knew he was meditating and he would be in there for probably like half an hour. And then he'd come out and he would be present. 
So that's why I mm. learned from a really young age that that is important. It's important to have that time for yourself. And that was what got my dad through that. And, you know, it was, it was really the only thing that got him through it. Um, and a really profound experience as part of that was one night I walked into his room and he was meditating and I was going to let him know dinner was ready. And I went to open the door and he was speaking in tongues and I hadn't, I wasn't familiar with that before. Like I'd never heard of that, but I said to him, you know, dinner's ready. And he was speaking in a different, all these different languages. And, um, and it was, I really felt the presence because I'm, um, very spiritual now. I really felt the presence of the Holy spirit. That's the best way I can explain it. It was just like the whole room was full. And when he came out, he said to me, I was speaking in tongues. So he knew that I was there. He felt me there, but he said, I was just speaking in tongues and I've never had that experience before. And he went and spoke to um, the priest. He was going to a church when he spoke to the priest about it. Um, so that was probably the most profound experience of my life was seeing someone in that meditative state speaking all these languages that, you know, I had no idea what they were. And since then, um, dad and I are very connected spiritually. So sometimes if I'm, um, when I was growing up, if I was in a bit of strife, he'd come into my dreams and sort of talk to me and he'd remember, like we'd have these memories of him being in my dreams and, and communicating with me and helping me. And, um, even like at church in his church, sometimes, um, we had people join the uh, congregation and they'd seen my dad's face and they're like, I need to see this man. He's got red hair and this and the other thing. So he stands out and they'd be drawn to him and he'd help them in some way. So um, wow. I think I've always held on to that. Um, yeah. and that's why I feel like meditation is so important because if that can get you through a nervous breakdown, then, you know, that's super powerful and we have to tap into that energy. Yeah, I agree. There's this healing energy. There's this opportunity to give back to yourself on tap for only seven minutes a day. <laughs> Yeah. In some yeah. Cases, and if you can have an experience, you know? if you can have an experience like that, um, not saying that everyone will, but I mean, sometimes you, if you allow yourself to drop into it, who knows, who knows what the possibilities are that you could experience. It could change yeah. your life. Yeah. And a lot of people do spend their time giving all day, every day to other people, uh, you yeah. know, whether that's a family situation or a work situation and really taking the time to nourish yourself is pretty much it's pivotal in your meditation is receiving. Yeah. It's giving back to yourself. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I love that. So if anyone's looking for additional information or resources on anything that we talked today, if they want to start their spiritual or healing journey, uh, obviously I'll leave your contact information in the show notes, but do you have anything else that you'd like to recommend or do you even want to get back to me on that? Yeah, I think um, the biggest takeaway from this is I always say if you're looking for help and this could be what we were talking about with regression or meditation or if it's guidance you know you want to go and see somebody to do a reading or whatever you're doing always just trust your intuition you know if you put the request out there even so talk to your spirit family and just say look I'm looking for something I don't know what it is I need some guidance can you put someone in my path that can help me I always find that whatever I'm looking for, um, someone will walk up and give me their business card just out of the blue. Um, and yeah, I just find that's the best way to connect with who you need to connect with. Just trust that guidance, trust that intuition. It's like this rudder, you know, on your, on your ship, mm. you know, pointing you in the right direction. Um, but we have to ask, I think a lot of people kind of go, Oh, you know, I want these things. And I'm not getting them. And it's like, well, 
are you clear about it? Are you clear about what you're looking for? Right. And a lot of the time they're not, you know, it just takes you writing it down, putting it on, on a piece of paper and being really clear about what you're after and then waiting for that sign, waiting for that person to cross your path. Um, I think that's probably the best, the best advice I could give. And that's what I do. You know, sometimes yeah. it takes patience because it may not happen straight away, but you know, just trust that, trust that inner guidance. Mm. Um, and yeah, whether you end up doing regression or past life connections, um, family constellations is another great one. Um, mm. so family constellation work, I recommend to a lot of people. If you have this, um, thing that's come down your bloodline, um, that a lesson, you know, that keeps repeating in your family and then it's come into your life as well. Um, there is a way to sort of heal that as well. So family constellation work, I highly recommend as well. If people look into that, do a little Google search. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. I love talking thank to you. you. It's so interesting. Same. And yeah, it's just, it's so great to see the kind of work that you're doing. And I really hope that you'll come back on the show another time. Hooray. Please have me back. I will. I'd love to. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review where you get your podcasts. And be sure to share it with your friends.